0: Welcome to the BizDad Podcast, where we dive into the melding of fathership and entrepreneurship with your host, the original BizDad himself, Adam Labar. Adam is a Christian, a former Air Force officer, a dad to three amazing kids, a coach, a real estate investor, and a business owner. On this podcast, he'll explore the unique journeys of amazing dads who are striving for greatness in both business and family. So whether you're a dad who is an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply a man striving to be a better dad, get ready as the BizDad brings you conversations to inspire, challenge, and equip you to be a better dad and entrepreneur. And now, here's Adam. Adam.
1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast. I am excited to talk to James Bates today. Um, he is a fellow Christian entrepreneur, father. Um, I'm really looking forward to uh, uh, chatting with him, getting to know him a little bit more, um, and introducing all of you guys to uh, to James as well. So, um, if you can, James, please tell us a little bit about uh, who you are. Uh, tell us about your family, and then tell us about your business.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I, I, I love the concept. I love what you're doing. Um, Thanks so much. Initial episodes have been fantastic. So, um, yeah, so I'm born and raised in a town called Modesto, California, which is Central Valley of California. Um, So it's a little little different than the rest of California in that it's very agricultural and uh, and rural, but then you're also very close to a lot of outdoors, a lot of the Bay Area, Silicon Valley. You got a little bit of everything within a couple hours. Um, Yeah, grew up. As a, uh, as a pastor's kid and, uh, here in Modesto, and we can touch on any of these things later if you want. My mm-hmm. dad is the 19th of 20 children. Uh, <laughs> amazing backstory with him. Uh, my parents still married, still, uh, live here in town, actually just moved out of the house that they were in for almost 40 years, uh, wow. just last year. Um, so still doing well. Um, And yeah, I'm a, I'm a dad and I love being a dad. I have one son. He's 14 years old. His name's Colin. And then my sweetheart, gentlemen who has just been such an amazing helpmate and partner to me the last five years has two amazing, wonderful boys, Christian, who's 15 and Mateo who's eight. And, uh, it's, it's awesome uh, being in their lives and watching these young men grow up and, um, and navigating through life is, uh, at all the various stages and ages. Uh, it's been really cool. Uh, um, awesome. Yeah. And happened to, uh, own a business. Uh, mm-hmm. I was blessed to, I had a great, um, pre high school and high school sports career in baseball. I'm an outdoor guy. Love being outdoors, love sports. Um, but because of our economics, we just didn't have much money. We didn't have any way, encyclopedias or anything for me to do the AP classes and the book reports I needed. I told my parents, I'm like, man, if we had a computer, I saw they had a Circuit City and encyclopedia for 50 bucks.
3: <laughs> uh,
2: and a couple of family friends heard about it and uh, my uncle, and they chipped in and gave my parents the money. They'd get a computer and the second time it broke, I thought, man, I can't wait for this thing to be fixed. I took it apart, I fixed it. Something clicked, and next thing I know, that was uh, God had a whole different plan for me. <laughs> I thought I would, I uh, thought I would go the college route on some bull ride scholarship offers for baseball. And uh, next thing I knew, I was staying up all night. This freshman year of high school. Really, the summer over eighth grade uh, before high school, drilling holes in the floor had phone lines running everywhere underground literally ate up every phone line available in the neighborhood. I had friends' parents uh, getting mad because they couldn't get a second line because they're like, there's some guy down the street, he's eating up every phone line in the neighborhood. (laughs) So that turned into uh, actually being recruited at 17 to work for a 550-employee, $80 million a year company and became their IT director at 17 years old. Man. Uh, they were going to lose a $20 million a year Walmart account if they didn't do this thing called the EDI, which I had no idea what that even stood for at the time or knew. And Long story short, I interviewed at uh, their CPA's office because they're like, we know we need you to build a network out, do this. We don't even know how to interview you. So mm-hmm. There I am at 17 in my 88 Honda Accord stick shift at the top of some Glass Building in Walnut Creek with one of the larger CPA firms, meeting with their CEO and IT team. And Adam, I, I, I don't even remember what I said or how I got through it, but apparently I did okay. I got the job. So,
1: well, it helps when that, they don't know what to uh, what to ask you about, right? So,
2: yeah, that does help. <laughs> it does help. Uh, and got the job and through some some various things. I think probably being not technology grounded. I'm not a gamer. Uh, I'm not into most things that a lot of tech people are, but I've always been into relationships and people fascinated with business. And I fixed the Walmart problem in a couple of weeks and I went to my boss and I said, hey, Brian, I can make the network faster. I can make it store more. I don't know what we would do with it can I learn the business? Can I go sit with every department for a couple of weeks? And then let's come up with a plan to implement technology to actually solve business problems. One year later, we'd save $250,000 in admin costs and overhead and other businesses started asking if I could help them. And I started my own sole proprietorship, JB networks. And, uh, first summer I made like $50,000 in two months. And I nice. thought, Oh man, okay, this, I got to do this. Um, and, uh, I reached out to a good friend of mine since third grade and said, Hey, I these guys are terrible. They don't show up on time. They're rude to people. This is, this is back early 2000s, around 2002. And I said, I think if you could show up on time, talk to someone like a normal human being, make eye contact, you could kill it in this business. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. And, We've been blessed. We made the Inc. 5,000 list the first six years in a row in business. And uh, it's been a fascinating ride. So I own a technology company called Datapath uh, with my business partner, David. And we're all up and down California and up and down uh, Ohio and parts of the East Coast. And we've been rapidly expanding. we really focus on cybersecurity and uh, and networking for Large, large organizations, enterprises, stuff like that. But the great thing I could say, Adam, to bring full circle is I've had some great mentors in my life,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: they've told me, hey, I've made a lot of money, and I would go back and trade it all to have the time back with my kids or have mm-hmm. a relationship with my kids. And I took that to heart from day one. So my son has always been my priority. He's always been involved. Um, and he has my time and attention first and foremost, and I'm so blessed. I have an amazing, fantastic relationship.
1: That's great to hear. Yeah. It doesn't always happen, especially, you know, when you're starting that young and pushing that hard on, on building something to at least have that thought process going, you know, to, to be able to build that relationship and push that. So that's, that's phenomenal that, that you've got that. Um, I would imagine, uh, it, well, I don't know um let's let's dig into it a little bit like you you said you grew up as a pastor's son. What was it like kind of growing up with your father doing what he was doing? I would imagine you know he was rather rather busy I mean pastors especially you know people don't really think about you know oh yeah well they they work on Sundays, but no, no, there's a whole lot more that goes on on uh, the rest of the week and all the you know everything that uh, everything goes into being a pastor. so what was it like growing up um with your dad, your family um Talk to me about that a little bit
2: yeah, so. My dad was a pastor of a local church. So I have two uh, older brothers who are nine and eleven years older than I am, and they, drew, they grew up as traditional pastors' kids. Church, yeah, being a pastor. And a year before I was born, my dad resigned from being a pastor. There was he was pastor of a real small church when he started, and he grew that to uh, over three hundred say he, but God and and just everybody mm-hmm. in the church. and But he was always a neighborhood guy. He would go out, meet people, meet them where they're at, say, hey, we got this facility in your neighborhood. How can we be a blessing to the community we're in? But the church just kept saying, well, they got to be saved first before they can come in. And my dad mm-hmm. said, this, Jesus didn't really work like that. Yeah. So I guess to sum it up, when he resigned, he ended up writing a book and the title kind of says it all. And it, the title is Legalism or Love. And mm-hmm. so I grew up as an evangelist kid. So I never had, I wasn't like I had a home church. I've seen every kind of church, denomination, background um, that you can imagine. And it was actually a really cool experience. I I loved it. Um, One very pivotal moment uh, in my life is, I'll never forget, I was six years old, and another minister was in town, and he was having dinner with my parents and at the end we all got up and said hey let's all just pray and as he's praying he um uh, put his hand on me and he said oh i just i feel like james is being called that he said he's, uh, he's going to be a pastor and when he left i was crying i said i don't want to be a pastor because <laughs> <laughs> you're right i i mean my dad was fantastic he would he would pitch uh tennis balls to me for hours in the front yard spend time but A pastor's life is never off.
3: I mean, middle Mm -hmm. of the
2: night, calls to the hospital, um, weddings, funerals, counseling. My dad taught me a lot about and my mom. My mom's just an amazing helpmate to my dad. Like They're just such an amazing couple. Um, And he said, hey, James, sometimes people are going to come to the house and they're going to come in my office and I'm going to be talking with them and it'll be for counseling. Just so you know, you never say that they came here and I'm never going to tell you what we talked about. Mm -hmm. And it, it really has helped me as an adult in life about just not gossiping, having trust and confidentiality. But the pivotal moment for me was my dad, who's a beast of a man. I mean, his hand is one and a half times bigger than mine. Um, I mean, literally NFL players, his hand will engulf their hand. And he put his big old bear paw on my back as I was crying. he said, uh, he said, James, don't don't ever feel pressured to do something you're not supposed to do. And he said, being a pastor is a is a calling from God, and if that's what you're supposed to do, you'll know it. And that was so incredibly uh, freeing
3: for me to think,
2: wow, I can just be present where I'm at and not feel pressured to be what other people think I need to be.
3: Mm-hmm. So... That That's awesome. that was huge for me. Yeah, the I mean, I I
1: think that kind of <clears throat> excuse me, that kind of uh that kind of advice can go a long long ways because I mean I, I like I've had multiple people try to tell me the same uh, the same thing honestly. Um uh and it's one of those that uh, that if if it's not God telling me to do it, then that's not that's, like I'm not looking for I'm not out here hunting for a prophetic word, right? Like I'm I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and and you know keep keep asking God to tell me where I need to go. And as long as as long as He hasn't told me to change change my path, then I'm going to keep on going, assuming I'm in the right spot. So, um, you know, and that's uh, that is uh, a bit freeing for sure. Um, in in knowing that and not feeling that pressure. Um, I love that. So, not out hunting
2: for a prophetic word. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Uh, uh, yeah, Yeah. I'll I'll try not to go too down, too too long down that path. But, um, but we can for sure later on if we want. But uh, uh, it's, I would imagine. So you have two older brothers. You said nine and eleven years older than you. Um, So when when your dad left and he started doing what he was doing, was there still a lot of travel involved with that? Was there a lot like how much? uh, How much did you get to see behind the scenes on what he was doing? I mean. If, if he wasn't pastoring an actual like the an actual traditional church what did that look like
3: yeah that
2: that was cool my dad was very involved so i saw a ton of stuff from recording and making tapes and um traveling all over i mean he went to even uh korea he was speaking preaching all over so there were times that he were he was gone obviously i was at school mm-hmm. sports heavily um but when he was home, he was present. I think the hardest part of being a pastor's kid was being in public. So
3: mm-hmm.
2: if we went to a restaurant, my dad talked to everybody but us because people yeah. say, hey, Pastor Bates, Reverend Bates, this and that. And, would you pray for me? And they would talk to him. So that I'm really intentional when I'm out with my son, well known in the community and areas and people come up, say, to keep it really brief. Because I remember mm-hmm. that experience and I just, it rubbed me the wrong way many times to like, man, I, I kind of want to just be at, you know, breakfast with my dad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So And, but, and there's a balance between like uh, acknowledging who's coming up and talking to you and then making sure that your children know, right? So, I mean, there's... Y- y- I've tried to figure out and balance is always a, a word that I hate using, but I've tried to figure out that balance, even when we're like, Hey, we're going to take the week off. Um, and it's always a quote unquote, take the week off. Right. Cause when you're running a business, there's it's, until do? everything is in its place and you're basically on a board, like there's always things that need to be done when you're, when you're operating a business. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll get random phone calls while we're out at a theme park or something like that. And it's like, okay, well, let me, let me take this phone call. Let me fix this problem. Um, and it's like, okay, well, I don't want them to always think that the phone comes first, but at the same point, you know, it's the phone, it's answering those phone calls that help pay the bills and bring us to this theme park. So it's like, I don't, ah, it's such a, it's such a hard, uh, a dilemma in my brain sometimes to figure out what, what is the right answer? Or what's the wrong answer? Um, and I mean, I, there's, I'm certainly not good at it yet. I'm still trying to figure all that out, but, um, uh, so as you have been, applying that thought process because you saw it when you were a kid and you're trying to adjust that now um how have you been on on balancing that quote unquote to 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 make sure that you're acknowledging the people enough to where you're continuing your business relationships as well as making sure that you're respecting your children as they're sitting next to you
2: yeah and i love what you said because i i have a a tough time with the word balance Uh, Mm -hmm. we can't be perfectly in balance as entrepreneurs and those things you know we stretch and we give a lot. Uh, I heard the analogy of, of a rubber band, right? So you have so much capa- capacity, and there's times in your business is going to stretch that rubber band. And hopefully you have good mentors and feedback systems in your life that you don't break the rubber band. Mm-hmm. And so thats it's never like perfectly imbalanced, like sitting like a round rubber band. It's, I'm going to stretch and I'm going to pull, but I also am cognizant of, hey, that has to retract at some point, and I need to stretch the rubber band this way. Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's that constant flex. And that's what I do with my son. I mean, there are times he knows it's a, a busy season, or maybe it's a, a critical client uh, opportunity or event going on uh, that I've just got to dedicate time and focus.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: however, what I've done to, you know, air quote, balance more is if that person comes up to me, is involve my son in the conversation, introduce him, and really teach him, hey, make good eye contact, ask them a question. When you know, uh, beat the Greek. Like say hi to them before they say hi to you, mm-hmm. and uh, in doing that, it changes the dynamic of the conversation to where they don't just feel like a fly on the wall. Yeah. The other thing is, if I get a phone call, if it's in the car, a lot of times. I mean, he's been exposed to some amazing phone calls. I mean, he's heard mm-hmm. all kinds of negotiations to uh, dealing with uh, employee, uh, you know, frustrations or issues, or client issues or opportunities. So that part's great. It's the post-mortem. I really break down conversations with him after and say, hey, you see how dad responded to that? Um, what do you think about that? Would you have responded like that? Or what other questions? Or what did you think about that person? Did you see how they came in and their their attitude was one way and maybe they were really anxious? And, but instead of me feeding into that anxiety, we asked some calming questions. And so, yeah. So... My son is more on the, the shyer end, although now mm-hmm. he's been playing football and he's come way out of the shell. It's awesome. Um uh, uh, he's so pensive. He's thinking about everything. And mm-hmm. what I've found is I used to not give him enough time of the awkward silence to respond. So he and I going on walks, and it's just just he and I and we do it mm-hmm. We go on walks. And it might be 10 minutes, it might be 15 minutes in the walk, and then boom, he just opens up. He's got all kinds of feedback, questions, conversations. So that's how I involve him and balance him. And I've been taking him to meetings and those kinds of things since he was five, six years old. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, and he, you, kids are sponges. Mm-hmm. So I remember picking him up from third grade, and I said, Hey son, I turned the, the solar on. It's opened up on the pool. The pool might be warm today to swim as the start of the season. He's third grade. He goes, he goes, yeah, I put my, I got in it, uh, last week and I didn't even have to get acclimated. I looked at him and I go, you know, he's sitting in a car seat, you know, California, yeah. you got to be in a car seat until you're 32 years old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so I said, do you even know what acclimated means? And he goes, yeah, basically adjusted. And I was mm-hmm. like, "How did you did you study that at school?" And he's like, "No, you guys have talked about it in different meetings and stuff."
1: So yeah, it, they are. I mean, that's cool it's so much fun to watch their brains work and see kind of what they come up with and how they think through things. And, you know, um, there'll be things that I'll say. And then like my, my four-year-old right now, some of the stuff that he says back to me, I was like, what in the world? Like, how did you, where did you hear that? You know? And everybody we talked to, they're like, man, he's got such good vocabulary, but you know, to your point, like exposing them to all of those different things makes a huge difference. You know, like we have never talked to our kids, like in the baby talk or I I don't talk to them like they're Mm -hmm. a two year old. I talk to them like they're a 20 year old. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm using, you know, $5 words, every other sentence, but you know, it, they, they need to be able to just communicate with people and um, that makes a huge difference, you know, and it's, um, it's fun to, to, to get those surprises when they say something and I'm like, wow, that is phenomenal to hear a four-year-old or an eight-year-old say these things, you know, it's, it's really cool to, to work through, but. Um, it is. I, and gentleman's youngest son,
2: Mateo, is,
1: he's just so witty, he plays the
2: piano, um, haven't IQ tested him yet, but I mean, the kids, he's so witty and the things that he picks up on and says all the time. It just cracks us up, but they, they understand a lot more than what we think. Oh, for sure. It, if you can, you, you use the word that I actually had in like my notes when I was thinking about this podcast was exposure. Mm-hmm. That, That's something my dad, another thing he just absolutely nailed for me. So after that incident, I'll call it with the pastor saying, hey, I think James is going to be a pastor. He joined this group called uh, Full Gospel Businessman's Fellowship. And we went to a meeting once a month. So here is my dad. not a business guy. He's a pastor. And it was 300 businessmen getting together one Saturday a month, just sharing their testimony. So here it is. I'm getting like six, seven years old. I put on a little, you know, suit jacket stuff and I just sit in this business. But that exposure that changed everything for me out cause I sat there and I'm like, Oh, this guy owns 17 subway sandwich franchises. Mm-hmm. This guy's a general contractor. This guy owns, uh, bunch of dry cleaners this guy's a real estate developer and they were all just normal humans and it was a very transparent group That they were really cool they talked about their flaws their failures their struggles and their successes so i, I can honestly say at seven years old i knew i wanted to be in business yeah and ironically the business that i'm in didn't even really exist as a business yeah. at that time so i thought i was going to go to I I knew I was good at baseball, but I wasn't pro good. When you play at a Mm -hmm. high enough level, you see that one in a thousand guy, and you're like, "Yeah, that dude's stud. He's gonna make it." Um, A buddy of mine that had the same offers, he ended up going Triple A with the Cubs and didn't make it past there. It's that's a grind. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I thought I was going to get the baseball scholarship, go to college for business, and it just happened to be there was a shortcut path in there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something I try to tell people all the time. Anyways, like college, like. I mean, if you can go to college for free, don't get me wrong, then do it up. But unless you're going to be a professional, like, you know, lawyer, doctor, something that needs a college degree, I'm, I'm very hesitant on college nowadays, but, um, you know, it, it the, it's not the success path it used to be. Um, I don't think, but, um, that is not all it's where like I want to go. There was something you said people oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I don't remember what... You, you said something a minute ago that I was really wanting to dive down, and then you mentioned college, and my disdain for college popped uh, up in my brain, and I, I lost track. of it. the exposure <laughs> and the
2: different business people. And the um, oh, yeah. So,
1: like, honestly, the... I, I was not really exposed to much of anything. So what I was exposed to, my both of my parents were Air Force, so I ended up joining the Air Force just because that's all I really knew. You know, I'd been talking about it for forever. I mean, I was literally 16 years old. I went and got my, my learner's permit, and then I went and signed up for the Air Force. It's so like... Mm-hmm. I'm old enough now to sign up for the air force at 16, so I'm going to do it. And then I sat in the delayed enlistment program until I graduated high school and left. And um, like I didn't, I I had no exposure to anything else. I didn't know anything else. And then once I, even even when like the job I signed up for in the military was the same that my dad did, and I didn't know it was the same. Like the, the you know it was it was called a crew chief, as um, the uh, um, the general utilized term, but on paper it's called a tactical aircraft maintenance apprentice so i went in and i was i read the job description i said this sounds great i can do that then i go home and tell that to my dad and he was like that's what i did i said no you were a crew chief he's like it's the same thing and i was like well son of a gun but i had just (laughs) that was almost all i had been exposed to it was that or you know at that point he was a correction officer because he had already broke his back in the air force but um so he was a correction officer and i was like well i don't i'm not gonna do that i want to go travel and see places so i went and did exactly the same thing, but that's one thing that i'm trying to really do with my with my kids is like expose them to so many different things and i, I bring them to all sorts of different you know mastermind meetups and um they're they jump on the podcast they um, listen to some of the calls that i'm in they do all these things um i need to figure out a better system to really um capitalize on that and have that 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 postmortem like you talked about to to really say hey what did you learn from this what do you think about this how did daddy respond on this what do you think about it? these things just to kind of get the engagement rolling um especially now that i'm doing homeschool but i think that the exposure is is um second to none like they they, like i mean my middle child was born in japan um so the military gave us a lot of exposure to go to a bunch of different places different cultures different stuff um and now i'm trying to expose them to all sorts of different businesses and how things go and like even if they're like like you know, Rourke, my middle, uh, middle boy. Um, he was like, Hey, I really want to be, I don't know. He saw some, some guy driving a tractor or something and he was like, boy, I really want to do that when I grow up, you know, he's four. And I was like, well, that would be awesome. You know how much fun that would be to drive that tractor around. And you know, what, how cool would it be to own 50 of those things? And then you could pick which one you want and have all these other people driving the tractors and like just conversations that I would have never thought to have had when I was, when I was a kid. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think the exposure is, is, a requirement, um, honestly, like, like, cause you know, I've said it a hundred times on this podcast and I'll, I'll continue to say it, but you are the five people you're around most. Right. So if I can, mm. if I could be one of the, the most influential of the five to really show them what, what the world has to offer for them and what they can, the impact they can make, then and, and I'm doing my job. So
2: I love that. But one thing that I do, especially the last few years is, You know, been asked to be on a lot of different boards or come to a lot of Mm -hmm. charity events, those kinds of things. So any of those things that are after hours, um, like there was one, they're starting a a new thing uh, in town that's really cool for young, young adults. And it's called Digital Nest. And it's a really cool thing that they're doing. And I I heard about it. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to know more about that and learn about it. And it was like on a Thursday night or something. I said, and they wanted me to come. And I said, yeah, I'll come as long as I can bring my son. Because I want him to see mm-hmm. giving back. I want him to see opportunities to serve. I want to see have him learn what's going on in the community. And I want to spend time with my son. And yeah. Adam, I've had zero pushback on that ever. People are like, yeah. And I mean, he's completely well composed. And, mm-hmm. But it's actually, it brings an excitement to the adults in the room. It's like, yeah, yeah this is a younger generation that actually cares. And they're learning. They're being exposed to this. So that's my intentionality on that, and it's worked really well.
1: That's great. Yeah, I I think that that is. uh, I'm bringing my family. We're we're putting on our. I don't know if well it'll already happen by the time this podcast is out, but we're doing our second annual conference with uh, one of the company, Active Duty Passive Income, and it's. I can't wait to do it, and I am bringing the family out there. They're going to be able to see what Dad does, and like um, see like I i am not going to be on stage much. I am more of the background kind of guy, but um, but see how all of the stuff goes, and see all the the people changing lives, and like watching all like and it just hearing all of the stuff about real estate, and then not to mention I am like since I am homeschooling now, I get to we're doing it in San Antonio, so I get to bring them to the Alamo and teach them about the Alamo and show them all the different nice. things in history, yeah. and um, you know it's going to be a lot of fun to to kind of do. But I think that. Um, I want them to see what it is like to give back, what it's like to earn the paycheck, what it's like to, uh, impact somebody's life, what it's like to travel. Like, um, uh, there's a, there's a, um, one of the things that I'd been, I'd re- i re- was researching homeschool stuff a lot. Um, and there was a book, uh, by a, by a fellow Go abundance guy, um, uh, and his wife called the five hour school week. And it, they talked about all the different travel that they did, um, and teaching on, on all that stuff. And it was like, this is exactly what I want to be able to do. Like I, I got to travel for the military, but it was most of the time me traveling. I didn't get to bring my family. I didn't get to like one time my wife and I, uh, ended up going on a trip at the same time and we got to bring my son. Um, and it was thankfully it was to Hawaii so that worked out pretty well. Definitely. So uh, <laughs> so we got to bring him to Hawaii but I'm not sure it was like i like never
0: less
2: desirable destination. uh yeah here.
1: like and didn't, it didn't exactly drag him along to Africa or to Iraq or to you know all these other wonderful lovely places i got to go. Um, but uh but yeah Hawaii was definitely a good one to be able to bring him to. But like now i want like there's so much more intentionality behind it and that's to me if you're if you're being an intentional father um, with an intentional uh, wife and partner next to you, I think that it makes a massive difference in a kid's life.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I love it. I, the conversations and things that we have from those are just amazing. Uh, and you know, let's be honest. I mean, part of Go abundance, those things that I, I'm very blessed or we're, we're
3: privileged. Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, I had an interesting conversation with my son. Actually, that thing I was talking about that I took to, that charity uh, mm-hmm. you know, non-profit organization thing. I said, "Hey, Colin, you never you never asked for name brand anything. Like he just he wants to throw football, he wants to shoot hoops, he wants to go on a walk, ride bikes. I, I love it. Um and I said, you never asked for like this kind of shoe or this kind of whatever because we were having problems just even finding the right clothes for him to wear to go mm-hmm. to thing. And he looked at me and he said he said, "Dad, I know we do." Well, I never want anyone to think that I'm a spoiled brat or act like a spoiled brat. And that just meant so much to me, to hear his yeah. heart in that, that I thought, you know, I'm far from perfect and don't do a lot of things right, but that's the attitude that he has, that I feel really blessed. I remember being mm-hmm. at, uh, it was an Ink 500, Thousand 5, events, and Brene Brown was there, mm-hmm. and she said she had a breakout session. And I mean, there are lots of really cool breakout sessions. And everyone was in this session, you know, on the, with the shame and vulnerability expert, right? Yeah. And she said, hey, we're here at Inc. Like, a lot of successful people in the room. How many here are worried about your kids being entitled? And, you know, everyone that was a parent raised their hand. Yeah. And she said, I'm going to tell you something. She said, every one of your kids is privileged. And you can't change that. They're privileged in the fact that they're probably going to be exposed to different kinds of conversations. Mm -hmm. You might drive a nicer car. You've got businesses. There's just certain things they're going to have access to that everybody else doesn't have access to. The difference between being privileged and entitled is a heart of gratitude. And as she unpacked that, you just saw grown adults, just tears in their eyes, Mm -hmm. right, just thinking about that spirit of gratitude. And, you know, I can say Christian, Mateo, Colin, I love it. They all have such a spirit of gratitude. That's awesome. You go buy him a taco a Taco Bell. It's like, hey, thank you for the taco.
3: Mm-hmm. It's
2: like, yeah, you know, we got to feed you, but yeah. it's just, nothing's expected. And that, and it carries through with their peers and others are very grateful, coaches, people in school. So I try to. Really go back to roots of how much gratitude I have for my parents, how much they've mm-hmm. overcome, how far we've come, the struggles we've gone through and still made it through and overcome. So it, it's a self uh, fulfilling cycle when you live in a, a spirit like that. It doesn't mean every day is great, everything, but, um, you know, in Dr. Benjamin Hardy's language, I love, you know, gap in the game, yeah. really being in the, in the game about
1: yeah, I absolutely love The Gap in the Gain. There was somebody, I don't remember who I was talking to, talking about how they were listening to that with their kids. And I was mm-hmm. like, what a phenomenal idea to listen to that with your kids. Because, like, you know, um, my oldest, he he has a tendency to, like, he's a perfectionist, just like his mom and dad, um, which is um, uh, dreadful as an eight-year-old. It's not terrible as a business operator but it's dreadful as an eight-year-old because nothing is ever good enough you know what i mean like and it's and it's like dude you're you're eight let's figure this out who cares like you know i I, like but i know if somebody told me that there's no way that i'd want to hear it you know um but understanding that that gap in the game and understanding that like how far you've come compared to um, and for those who, who haven't listened to the book, highly recommend it. Um, it's about where, where are you living? Are you living in the gap, like the distance between where where you are right now and where you expect to be, where you want to be? Or are you living in the gain, seeing how far you've come along compared to where you were? Um, and understanding that you know it, it doesn't mean that you're satisfied exactly where you're at. You, you want to keep striving to fill in that gap. But rec- remember where you came from and be happy about the gains that you've made. And um, You know, like sports is a perfect thing to look at for that with, with my eight year old, you know, it's like, Hey, are, you're not Tiger Woods yet. All right. You're eight. Um, but you are really good at golf. Um, and look how far you've come and how much better you are now and all the stuff. And it's very difficult to, I really want to, uh, I'm saying all that to say, I really want to introduce my kid, uh, kids to that book. I think that's a, a phenomenal, phenomenal book. Yeah.
2: And 10 X is easier than two X is one of the oh, best, I it's the best book I've ever read. Other than the Bible. Uh, yeah, I've, we started book clubs in a company I've never bought so many copies of a book and given it to people and they literally send me shared notes, conversations mm-hmm. follow ups um, it's one of the best mentoring tools that we've had in the company it's been game changing for us so the gap in the game and 10x I, I couldn't endorse those two books anymore uh,
1: pretty much anything that you could see Ben Hardy come out with is it's going to be solid
2: it's, yeah it's solid for sure. Yeah. I, if you want, I could share. So, I find just being authentic, right? Being mm-hmm. authentic and with my kids. So, like, if, if I if I do something wrong, I apologize to them. No, for sure. You know? Say, hey, I was wrong. I'm just owning yep. that. Saying, you know what? I got frustrated in traffic, and I shouldn't have mm-hmm. been honking at that person, and, you know? It's not my fault that, or it's not their fault that I'm in a hurry. Right? Yeah. So, uh, so there was an incident the other day so the gap in the game it talked about it really hit for me right
3: it's hey what's up buddy
1: yeah that's such a cool shirt man there we go he's telling me a story about the gap in the game it's a book bu- whoop yeah how you yeah. doing buddy adam came along let's uh for those who are just listening and not watching oh come on fit this thing in your <laughs> ear there we go all right
2: Right on. It wouldn't be the Biz Dad podcast without our kids, right?
1: Exactly. I'm proving to everybody that I am a dad. It's not just the biz side. <laughs> it is the dad side.
2: Are, you're real, right? You're not AI?
1: You're not, you're not artificial, are you? Are you real? Let's see.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: He's real. <laughs> yeah.
3: There
1: you go. <laughs>
2: AI hasn't but you were saying advanced yet. So, yeah, I was talking about gap in the game. Mm-hmm. And in the book, he talks about an example, right, right in the beginning around, let's say someone's making you run 10 minutes late. It's your, it's your wife, and you're, you're going to go to a concert. And if you focus on being 10 minutes late, so he talks about measuring backwards, not mm-hmm. backwards. So you can have ideals. So here's where I am presently. Here's my ideal. But my starting point was actually way down here. So And I was like, oh, that's where I get frustrated. Because mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm not just 10 minutes late, I go to my ideal. My ideal says now that we're 10 minutes late, I'm going to hit more traffic. I'm not going to get the parking space that I want. Oh, I'm going to be rushed. There's going to be longer lines at the food stand. I'm not going to get the food I want. I'm going to probably miss some of the opening band. And so, all that person that's with you knows is they're 10 minutes late. Yeah. In your mind, you've built this crazy ideal that's unrealistic. <clears throat> and you're like responding as if all these things have happened. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, oh yeah, I've done that plenty of times. So I've had some really good conversations with my son. Like, you know what? Here's some worries where I was really in the gap. So case in point, it's like God tests you immediately. The next day after listening to this and talking to my son about it, I said, Hey, let's go to this restaurant. They only do brunch once a month. It's a really cool brunch. It's gonna be packed. Let's go. So I called Jenlyn and I said, hey, Colin and I are thinking about going to brunch. She said, oh, I have Mateo with me. And I was going to go to the grocery store and just make some breakfast. So I think Mateo and I will just join you. I said, perfect. You'll be a little bit ahead of us. We got to get our shoes on. So we meet there and Jenlyn says, oh yeah, I saw Stephanie, my friend here that works at the bar uh, area, the restaurant, and she's going to hook us up. It's really crowded, but we're going to get the next table before. Immediately, I went into my ideal. And I was like, I probably would tell the hostess because the hostess is the one actually seating people. She's going to be Mm -hmm. busy. Hostess comes out and just Adam, a slew of people came in right after us. I mean, just a massive crowd. So uh, hostess says, hey, have you guys been helped? I looked at gentlemen and she looked at hostess. and says, yeah, we've been helped. And she proceeds to seat the next group of people behind us with the last table of four. Mm-hmm. And then when she comes back, she goes, now, what were you guys waiting on? I was like, we are waiting on the table for water. <laughs> <laughs> so, it took a, a literal, like, 15 minutes, which seems like an eternity when you're just sitting there.
1: Yeah. Um, and your, your blood's already starting to boil a little bit because yeah, you're, you're, you're not exactly meeting your ideal. ideal. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, then we go to sit down. Jenlyn runs into a couple of her friends uh, and this kid that they're um, being a host to. And I told called. I said, let's just go to the table. I don't really want to talk to anybody else right now. Like I'm hungry. Let's go get some food. Mm-hmm. So we go and we go to the buffet and I kid you not. And it's like a higher end buffet, but somebody has dropped the tongs in the bacon grease. And it was like I stuck my hand inside a pork fat. I had bacon grease all over me grabbing the tongs and I looked down and half of the food you tell us just run out. Mm-hmm. So now I'm instantly in the gap. Like well, if we would have told the hostess, we would have been seated mm-hmm. and and then there we wouldn't be out of food, all this kind of stuff. Then there's a little tiny bit of short rib left. I grabbed a tong see someone has dropped in the sauce, and they've been in there so long it literally burns my hand. Lovely. so at this point, I'm like over it I'm like i just I just want to leave i don't even I'm over the whole situation, and Ben Hardy's voice kicked in my head and said. Gap or the gain, and I look down at my plate, and I'm like, I got three things on my plate. I'm here with my family. I had nothing to eat a minute ago. I could just go sit with the family, eat these three things.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I looked on. I said, Hey, I'm just gonna start with this and go back. And so we did. It ended up we had an amazing breakfast. We had such a great time. When I went back, Jenilyn had told her friend what had happened. She came up, said, Hey, are you okay? I said, Oh, don't you worry about it. And I, there was a lot of people back in line. they refilled all the mm-hmm. buffet. Everything was fine. And uh, she said, oh, I'm really start. sorry about all the stuff that happened. And I said, you know what? It was a little rough start. But I said, I just decided to be in the game about it and reset. And Adam, out loud, she yelled. like so She goes, I love that. Like people <laughs> that got startled around. She goes, that's awesome. So ended up. The night before, also, I saw a Steve Harvey clip where he said, don't ask your kids just, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? Ask them what they Mm -hmm. dream about. And I was like, that's a cool question. So i on a walk with Colin. I said, what do you dream about? And he has a ridiculous sports analytic mind. He knows every starting, I mean, adults last year in the company were asking you, who are you playing in fantasy this week? Who are you sitting? Who are you standing? He's like, I know it says this, but this guy's got like, Marital issues right now, and he doesn't play as good in cold weather. Like, how can you retain all this information? Uh, and so I'm like, Colin, oh, what do you want to do? Or not what you want to do. What do you dream about? Not what you think I want you to do or what anyone else's mm-hmm. dream. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, I would love to work in the NFL. I was like, That's awesome.
3: Yeah. Let's,
2: let's explore that. So that couple that Jenlin met, we end up going back. I've had, and I said, Hey, gentlemen, can you introduce me? I had met the wife before, but not the husband and start talking to him.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: This kid that they're hosting stands up from the table, shake my hand, senior in high school. He's a four star All American football player. He's six foot eight, 285. Pounds. Jeez. And here it is. Colin just told me he wanted to be in the NFL or work in the NFL rather. Um, and he starts talking to his kid. Colin's just eyes light up, and Colin's telling a story about how he met Bland uh, when he got uh, picked by the Cowboys. He happened to be in the restaurant he was in last year. And so they were talking. Well, the dad says, yeah, he's from the Congo, and we're hosting him, but I'm really connected in the NFL. And your dad said, you're really interested in being in the mm-hmm. NFL. And he said, I can introduce you to uh, this kid's name's is Mana. I can introduce you to Mana's agent. And he said, oh, it. and he named some players that are on the Vikings agent board. And he said, yeah, he's Derek Carr's agent. And so I was like, what an incredible conversation. He said, and I'm really well connected in football. If your son wants to meet people in back office, front office, I can connect. All that saying is, if I had been in the gap, I would have missed all of that. Yeah. My family would have been tense, waiting like, oh, is he want to just leave? You know? Mm-hmm. He did. Gentleman, Mateo. And Colin and I, Christian wasn't there at uh, that time, which would have been, been awesome. But we had such an amazing breakfast and opportunities. And I realized how many times have I missed out on something from being in the gap.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and until you actually think through that, right? So one one thing I usually talk to people about on, on is, as far as their mentality goes is having a wireframe, right? You have a... Um, Uh, a wireframe kind of built so for like websites and stuff you can have a wireframe and then you could change your pages from page to page based on your Mm wireframe we all have wireframes in our brain about how we see things in life and all this stuff until somebody kind of until you figure out that your wireframe is broken and you're not going to get the feedback that you want with that with that terrible wireframe that you keep going back to um So you need to crumple up that old wireframe and build a new one, and that type of book, Gap in the Gain, is one of those that really can help you uh, reset your brain a little bit and understanding like how you're how you're living in that um, constant need for uh, for something, right, and not realizing what you already have. And um, uh, I really, I need to go back and listen to it again because there's there's so many times that I was going to ask Adam while he was still sitting here, but he took off. But um, how many times that I you know (laughs) I hate hate being late hate being late um but you know for me it was like my dad always told me you know like the vince lombardi rule 15 minutes early type of thing um and uh then he joined the military and the military is very you know um punctual you know um and uh it's it's been so ingrained in my brain for so long that like that that's the standard that's not that's not the ideal. That's the standard. Ideal is to be early. Standard is you better not be late. Right. So it's been uh, like that's such a difficult thing for me to deal with. And like, even if I'm going to my brother in law's house for a birthday party, it's like, no, it starts at two. We're going to get there at one because I want to make sure that I'm there on time and I've got what I need. And I get angry if i am not. I'm like, what is like, what is wrong with me? I'm just constantly living in that. And I completely forgot about that portion of the book talking about, uh, talking about it in that way. But man, I need to go back and let's do it again. So highly recommend. Yeah. Cause
2: in reality, like you said, you still got 98% of the evening left and you're, yeah. you're with, you're with someone that you love. You got the car ride. You've got mm-hmm. 98% of the concert that you're going to see. Not all of yep. it. So, um, yeah, it, it's really, really powerful. So I to want me, to. Uh, I guess the best way to put it is it's it set up a tripwire for me. Yeah. And so that that tripwire is, oh, I'm going in the gap on this, and so that short circuits it turning into stepping on a landmine.
1: And yeah, of for if sure. Not stepping
2: on a landmine usually I become the landmine.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're the one blowing up, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody yeah. somebody stepped on you, but. Uh... So I want to go back a little bit. It, you, um, if I recall correctly, so you, uh, you you're divorced from your first wife, right? Yes. Um, uh, can you walk me through? Because I know there's a, the amount of divorces I've seen through the military time, and then obviously not even military stuff, right? Is is insane? But I know that the the kids tend to take a a rather large um, hit on that from time to time, <laughs> or or pretty much every time. So I kind of want to uh, talk about that a little bit and kind of break that out, like. Um, uh, if you're if you're willing to go down that road, kind of how did it get to that point where you, where that had to happen, and then how did the how did it work with the with your your son involved and and you know working through the issues with that?
2: Yeah, I, that's a great question. Uh, and Liz, so Liz uh, is Colin's mom, and we're still friends. So we get along great, and I'm very blessed. We have a very amicable relationship, and uh, and she's a wonderful mother. We were high school sweethearts. Met when we were 15. We got married really young when we were 20. So, she was working nights at the hospital. I was commuting to Oakland. Uh, we were, like, passing ships in the night. And we didn't have uh, Colin until we were both 29. So, we're, we're only, like, a month, a month and a half apart in age. Uh, so, the business was going, but, I mean, it was a very busy, busy time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And From my reflecting on it, and I could be wrong. This is my interpretation and reflection. But I I realized that something is one. I was just workaholic, working like crazy. And however, we were getting invited to really cool events, and get to the mayor knows who you are, and this person knows who you yada yada. Right, Mm -hmm. traveling and doing this. And Liz always wanted to be a nurse growing up. Like she loved taking care of people. She loved that environment. And then when she got into it, she hated the environment. She's like, I love taking care of patients. But there's so many doctors sleeping with nurses and affairs and and cattiness. Nurses fighting each other and this and that. She just hated the politics of it. And what I realized is, I remember I took her on this trip. And we went to Italy and we stayed at Villa de Esta, which at the time was in like the top 10, 20 hotels in the world. We had a suite there. I mean, it was, it was incredible. Everything went perfect. I mean, we stayed top of everything. And I came back and people were like, how was your trip? And this is pre-Facebook, right? So everybody Mm -hmm. wasn't posting everything. And I was like, oh, it was amazing. We had such an incredible time and this and that. And people asked Liz like, hey, how was it? And she was like, I was good. And as a man, that was so defeating. I thought, if I can't make her happy, like doing this. But what I realized, Adam, is my career trajectory went like this. Like I just took Mm -hmm. off. And she was, I never took time. I couldn't understand why she wasn't happy for us. Like what we were doing. But she really was trying to find her identity and purpose during that time. And I never spent any time exploring that with her. So unfortunately, we just started growing apart. It wasn't like giant, huge fights and blow ups and stuff all the time or any of that. We just we just grew apart. Um so Colin was two when we got divorced. I was your typical overworking, busy entrepreneur dad.
3: Mm-hmm. Every
2: day I'd come home and Colin would love love on me, play with uh, we would play for a little bit, but Food, diapers, caregiving, you bump your knee, mom takes care of all that stuff, not yeah. Um, And so, once we got divorced, and there he is, he's two and a half, in the first weekend I had him. We were 50-50 custody, and we've always been, hey, it doesn't matter if it's my day, your day, there's no such thing. It's what's best for calling us. One
3: of our parents' mm-hmm.
2: birthday, or you got something going on, we've been super amicable about that stuff all the time. Um, But I was like, dang, I got to change his diaper. I got it. He fell. I got to comfort him. But what it changed, everything. I just decided in that moment, I'm going to be the best freaking dad ever.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: I can either say, I I wish this. or So I guess without knowing the language at the time, I really was in the game about it. Instead of, yeah, it's not ideal, Right but I'm going to take where I'm at. I'm like I get all this dedicated one-on-one time with my son. And it turned it into where he saw me more as a nurturing figure as well, right? Mm-hmm. Because I was caring, providing, feeding. Um, and it just gave us a tighter bond in relationship. And I still treated him as a dad would, right? Mm-hmm. So discipline, I've always been very consistent and disciplined. I remember a trip he was, And he's one of the most well-behaved kids ever. But we were driving to San Francisco Zoo, and I saw him take his seatbelt off over his head. I'm like, hey, don't do that. If I have to hit my brakes, you know, you could it'd be bad. And I looked at him, and I said, if you do that again, you're going to get a spanky. I said, okay. It was five minutes later, he's taking the seatbelt off again. I said, hey, when we get to the zoo, you're getting a spanky. And we live about an hour and 45 minutes in San Francisco. So it's a decent amount of car. We had a great car ride, the rest of the ride. Everything was great. We got out of the car and I said, all right, we're ready to go to zoo. And I said, first, you got to get the spanking for taking the belt off. he cried and did whatever. Mm-hmm. But we had the spanking and it sucked for me, right? I didn't yeah. want to start the experience like that. But I thought, you know what? I got to stay true to my work.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm doing this for his benefit. I don't want him to be harmed and think it's okay. So I've never been into the I'm gonna to count to three or seventeen oh, no. or seven. Don't
3: do that. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. So there's been that consistency. And Liz is parented much the same way. So I'm blessed that we have a line parenting and we talk. But yeah, a big a big warning I would say to people that are married starting a business is you have to continue dating. I know you mm-hmm. think it sounds cliche, but really explore what your significant other you know, wife or husband, depending on
3: which side of the coin you're on, um, and say, you "No, know, what are you dreaming about? What do you want to yeah. do? And I didn't do
2: that. And I, I really wish I had done that just for her own validation. Now, years later, she just bought a business a few years ago. She's an entrepreneur. She's doing all this stuff that I never would have thought she would have done uh, originally.
1: Yeah yeah I think that's that's sage advice as far as the well for me i I always like it's on it's on my my one sheet my my weekly thing and i 'm not always very good at it, but having a date at least one date with my wife like sit down and have a meal with my wife talk to her like you know but i'm i you know you're convicting me as you 're saying it as far as like making sure that that we're aligned in the the business side of the house too and it's you know, I I need to do a better job personally of, of talking to my wife about what is it that she actually wants out of this. Like, I mean, I I at one point created this whole vision of what I thought our future was going to look like. Never talked to my wife about what she thought about my vision. It was just like, nope, this is what's going on with our family. I'm making it happen, and and I had, I, I scrapped everything. I said, no, I got to start all over. Like, there's no like I I had zero because was at I was at I think some multifamily conference or something, or like building out what we wanted, and like you know, yeah. Uh, uh, imagining like what, what our life would look like. And I, I was by myself. She wasn't there. And I was like, all right, well, this is what our, our life is going to look like. Here you go. I hope you like it. And it was like, how selfish of a jerk can you be there, Adam? You know, like it was, <laughs> it was difficult to, to look at. And I didn't look at it that way for a couple more years. It took me a couple of years to really think through like, wow, that, that's not at all your wife's goals. You know, like what, let's mm. try to figure that out. So, um, you know, if, if you were to, to, to go back to the, if uh, you know, giving advice to folks who are might be going through this or they're building a company and they're not including their wife, how would you go about like having those conversations with your spouse? If you, um, if you can go back, I mean, I'm, or, you know, as you're, you know, you're dating your, um, uh, your girlfriend now, how, how would you, how do you, or how would you have those conversations?
2: Yeah. So I could say, you know, Jenlin and I have an incredible, amazing relationship. We do dates where we have, a specific date night. We've been together five years. She's an incredible human being. She's had a lot of family, uh, just horrible things. Her mom unexpectedly died of leukemia 10 hmm. days after being diagnosed. Very was totally fine. Two weeks before we were running around on the beach wow. Carmel. And then, uh, she's been a caregiver for her dad who's has dementia, Alzheimer's, um, and you know, drunk driving, the gift that keeps on giving. Unfortunately, when he was 17, a drunk driver hit the car that uh, he was in and killed his mother. Jeez. And all these years later, guy with two master's degrees, he's incredible, giving back to children, principals at some really rough neighborhood schools, just loves on kids. And but that scar tissue area in the brain, because he had mm-hmm. he lost stuff from his childhood, um, that's now developed into Alzheimer's dementia. So. She lives next door to her dad, takes care of him. So, but both of us now being in our forties and looking and being intentional advice to say is, yeah, we vision, we've even gone, go away and do vision boarding together.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. And I'm, I'm really, I try to set boundaries because she's really sweet. She a lot of times like, especially in the beginning, Hey, tell me about your day. And I was like, honestly, like deal with so many different things in the day. I really don't want to live that, relive it. I'll tell you yeah. the big highlights, things that I think might affect us, but I really want to be present with you, and I really would like to know about your day. And that intentionality of, you know, finding out her passions and actually doing, like she had a group of girlfriends over the other day, and they were doing a sound bath in the backyard. Like that wouldn't be my typical evening night, right? But it was an amazing experience and she loved it and her friends loved it. So supporting each other in those kinds of things. I know another GoPro, his wife was uh not long term healthy, she'd been dealing with some health issues where she had to be bedridden for a while. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, it's just really hard. I don't know what to do. And it's like, you know, I want her to read the books that I'm reading. And so the our GoPod really talked and was like, hey, what could we what could you do with your wife that she wants to do? And it was as silly as because she was immobilized for a couple months uh, mm-hmm. well she had to heal. And it was like, they started painting rocks together. And it sounds so crazy, but it was something they could do instead of just zoning yeah. out, watching TV. But it was interactive. So I guess that would be the other piece is do something interactive. Don't just put your brain on pause constantly watching sitcoms, TV shows. But do things where you're engaged in laughter, physical activity. That, Jill and I are so intentional about that. Mm-hmm. And it opens up so much more uh just opportunities for conversation, so I mean we're all human, we have the same basic needs, right? we want to be heard, we want to be validated, mm-hmm. we want to be respected and and great on you, like the self realization of it. it was your board, you didn't get through any input, yeah, and you're like, we' gotta scrap this mm-hmm. so and it's just being quick to apologize to each other um so that's things like. One thing that's helped me, Adam, tremendously—I honestly, I—I don't know where this came from. Just came to me one day. It's like, gentlemen, I had had an argument, and we were going to sit down and talk about it. And and the business side of me and negotiation, right? You're thinking about points and what are my Mm -hmm. responses and validation and all these things. And I started off, and I just said, "Hey, gentlemen, we may not see eye to eye. Things, obviously, we didn't, and that's why we had an argument about this, but." I just want to let you know, I'm not going in this to win an argument. I, I love you, I respect you, and my goal is that we're happy and we're together. So no matter how far apart we are, just know that's the outcome I'm working towards. And it is so diffusing to the other side that you can have differences of opinion, but you are working toward the shared goal of mutual respect, validation, being together
1: yeah i think that the the thought process of not going in to win an argument that's difficult for uh especially for you know entrepreneurs and people who are problem solvers you know men in general as as uh, uh you know generally speaking are are very much problem solver type of people and trying to you know fix it and um and and win and conquer whatever it is that's that's going on and that's uh um, not exactly the best way to show love to your spouse. So uh, yeah. wives wives don't exactly look at that with a lot of uh, love and joy. Have you seen that video? The uh, it's not about the nail.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah. I love it. it's yeah. hysterical because like the guy's like, no, seriously. If we could just we just pull the nail out, no problem at all. Like it's going to be, but a- it's not about the nail. Leave the nail. So if you haven't <laughs> watched anybody who's listening, and haven't watched it's not about the nail. Look it up on YouTube. Um, it's it's hysterical. But that I mean, it's very much the the mentality that we'd have, and you know. <laughs> He is he was also trying to win that argument like no, this is really what the problem is you know and really she just needed somebody to listen like let's let's figure out how to get through this together and figure out what's going on and um that's something that I did pretty poorly I think at the beginning of my marriage and I've been trying to work on that uh to to get better at it and the more I've worked on myself uh reading these books and talking to these, and like talking to people like you and trying to expand my boundaries a little bit on, on what I'm mentally capable of doing um it's been nothing but extraordinary to kind of see how how we can work that now i've always been the type and, and i uh, you know to not let the sun set on my anchor right i, I want to make sure that like my wife and i have anything that needs to be worked out we work it out before we go to bed um because i don't you know the, the next day comes up and then something happens and we can't talk and then this happens and that happens you know life just keeps throwing things at you and then before you know it um it, it a different conversation comes up about who who put the you know the the jelly back in the wrong spot in the fridge and i'm angry about something that happened three weeks ago and it's like no like have the conversation now to get rid of it instead of you know having it bubble up later on in three weeks about jelly of all things you know um but uh but yeah i think that having that mutual respect and having that conversation and saying those things out loud and you know it um uh i was having a conversation with my neighbor recently um about uh he, he was having some issues with um uh, the, one of the teachers at school and he was asking me for some advice on, on how to approach the the teacher. Um, and it, it to me, it came right back to, you know, negotiation that like, um, uh, what's the name? Uh, never split the difference, um, came oh, to my yeah. mind and I was like, anything that you know that this person is going to say about you, just call it out in the beginning. And I try yeah. to do the same thing w- like Accusation with with my wife. It. Just, yeah, just like, Here it is. I know that I'm screwing these things up. I know that I'm going to come across as a jerk because that's like, and I'm really sorry. I'm not intending to be a jerk. Like just call out any of the things that you know are going to be a problem. Um, That's not to give yourself the freedom to be able to be a jerk, right? You still need to not be a jerk, but just like I'm not intending to be a jerk in what I'm saying, you know, and I have to do the same thing in business because I I have a, a, a tendency to not be emotional about much of anything. I'm very logical in everything. So if something pops up, it's like, no, this needs to be done, Psh, done. And I don't necessarily think about the emotional response that somebody may have to that because emotions don't really come up in my brain very much. <laughs> it's very rare. Um, but man, like calling that out and having those conversations and making sure that that communication style is is there with you and your styles, I think is super important. Um, but I do want to uh, go back a little bit again and and talk about the because I, this this spoke a lot to me, and I'd like to kind of dig a little bit deeper. Is um, you mentioned like that your your trajectory was was going strong um, in the business side of the house, um, and you hadn't had the conversations um, with uh, with Liz, it was Liz, right? I believe yeah. um, with Liz. Um, so you know how did how did the conversations end up happening um, to get to the point where it was like, hey, we need to step aside. And was there a, was there a way? Do you think um, uh, that if somebody's in that situation now um, where they can prevent the divorce from happening before it gets there, um, you know, how, how, can, how can that conversation happen before it gets to be too late? You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. Um, I,
2: I would self-reflectively say, I mean, go back to basic human needs, right? Being validated, being wanted, being heard. Um, those things are probably not happening if you're in that mm-hmm. state. So what action items can you do to make the other party feel validated? And redefine winning. So if winning is winning an argument, that's the wrong definition.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: If the win is a happy, healthy marriage and our kids having our parents together, that's the ultimate win. And so in the 10X mind, that's the bigger goal, right? So, two x is thinking about that argument in front of me mm-hmm. or the little nuances, and it's usually it's accumulation of things, and you build up this story and again you're comp- you're wanting an ideal an ideal's not reality. I mean back to the story I told earlier, why would I think I should be able to go to a busy restaurant, walk in like a red carpet's going to roll out, all the food's going to be available i'm going to instantly be that's crazy, right, yeah, so I think we hold our. We don't communicate enough about and be vulnerable enough to say what's really on our heart and getting those things out. I'm just saying, hey, you know what? Instead of me responding and being upset of like, well, I can't make her happy. I just took her on this amazing trip and she's still, she's telling everybody it's okay. And like, we were yeah. two, four kids, you know, rubbing two nickels together when we got married, you know, and uh, trying to make it work. And now we're able to do this and she still does it. Instead of saying, "Hey, you may not have intended it in this way, but this is how I'm feeling. Like I don't feel validated as a man if I can't mm-hmm. even provide for you." And you may not understand. We live in our own bubbles and worlds. It's very rare that the other person is thinking, "How could I piss James off? How yeah. can I make him feel yeah, validated yeah. as a man?" Right? But instead, I respond with that exterior shell of protection of not wanting to open that zone up. And so then it just escalates to where it's easier to just walk away than have these difficult conversations.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: One thing that really helped it is Jenna and I went uh, really at Jenna's prompting said, hey, you know, blending families, uh, different backgrounds, all these things coming together, I think it would be really good to see, like, a family therapists together for a night. So I said, okay, I'll do a couple counseling appointments, and uh, one thing that the counselor said that really, really helped me, is she said, gentlemen is a lot more emotional than you are, James. You're very logical, linear, you think several steps ahead, it's probably served you very well in business, etc. Um, just know human psychology says when someone goes to an emotional state,
3: it, the more logic you throw at them, the further you drive them away. Yeah. So, the compromise was, I said, Okay, I can understand that. Uh, that. That makes sense. And so she said, you've got
2: to be willing to give the other partner space. Because when they've tripped into that emotional state, that you need to have space. You're not going to have a productive, logical conversation. But also, gentlemen, you have to provide some boundaries to say, I need some space, but let's talk about this tonight or two mm-hmm. hours from now. So it's not in James's head floating, like, are we ever going to address this? Right. And so as we've been practicing and doing that, it's been instrumental because as your brain starts to relax, I start redefining the win instead of winning the argument. It gives me Mm -hmm. space to do that. That's been, if you can find that, if you're in that tense situation, right? It's like, Hey, let's give some space, but set the outcome of, I really want to, I want this to work. Yeah. Right. Um, can I tell one cool story?
1: Nope. Stories aren't allowed. Sorry. Stories aren't allowed? Nope. All right. Well, I think we broke that rule earlier. So go ahead. Go ahead. All
2: right. If I love, you know, God really does turn beauty from ashes. And I love mm-hmm. redemption stories, right? So here it is. I, I had gotten divorced and uh, had gone through that. So several years later, there was a woman who worked in our, our office. And she had worked at another client before. And it was a very successful business, and the owner developed a literally hookers and cocaine habit, and Mm. uh, ran the whole business in the ground. A ton of it was a great company, and the whole thing went out of business. And I went to this lady in her office, and I was just thinking. I said, "I wonder." It was it had been five years or so since that had happened. I said, "I wonder how." And I named him. I said, "I wonder how he's doing." And she goes, "She goes that asshole. He cost so many people jobs. I hope he's miserable." And I looked at her and I said, I hope he's doing really well. She goes, not me. He costs all these people jobs and stuff. And I said, no, I, I hope he's, I hope he's
3: recovered and he's doing well. I said, can I tell you why? She goes, yeah. I said, you know, when I was going through my divorce, um, people think
2: of the glamorous side. Oh, you can go date all these people. You can go travel. Mm-hmm. You've got split schedules. You got every other weekend free and go do all the stuff. And. This woman in town, who I knew well, just kind of randomly reached out to me and said, hey, can I come by your office? I want to talk to you about something. And Adam, it was just God, I just knew. I'm like, I think she's wanting to get a divorce, and she's wanting to talk to me what it's like. So, and it wasn't like she was trying to hit on me or anything, just that's where she was at. So, she came to the office, and she said, hey, I know you're getting divorced from Liz and all that, but I know you're getting to travel and get to do all this stuff, and that sounds really fun, and blah, blah, blah. I just kind of wanted to ask you what that process is like and has it been exciting and all this stuff. And I I looked at her and I said, you know, I said it's the most chaotic time I've ever had in my life. It's really unsettled. Like, before I, you come home, so I said, if you had to do it over again, like you should fight with everything you have for your marriage. Because mm-hmm. I said, you know, I come, apart from me you not know, get emotional thinking about it, but it's like, it's like, hey, every day I would come home and my son would go, daddy, 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 and jump in my arms. I said, so if you want that to not happen anymore, that's what you're signing up for. Yeah. So it's not all glitz and glamour. Like, it's a, it's a lot of, I I totally ripped the stability rug out from underneath me in doing that. The beautiful story is she started crying. She said uh, she was already talking to an attorney, getting ready to file everything. Mm-hmm she canceled all of that. It's, this is now 11 years later. She's happily married to the same guy. Their family's doing great and everything. So as I was telling that story to the woman in her office, she was crying. And I said, that's why I hope he's doing well. Because there's consequences for stuff. Like I don't get to mm-hmm. walk home and see my son every day or walk in and see my son greet me every day. But I have an amazing relationship with him out of But I still have consequences from it. Yeah. But now I'm able to actually help other people through my story that I wouldn't be able to if I didn't live that story. So I said, that's why I hope he's doing well so he can help prevent somebody else from going Mm -hmm. off the edge or whatever. So, that's my little side story I wanted to throw
1: in. It's... Don't don't let the painful situation be a waste, right? I mean, we're all going to have painful situations, but if you can help somebody else get through this a similar situation, Um, and I think that I I loved the way you said that because like (laughs) too many people go to the person they know is going to give them the answer that they want to hear, Um, Mm -hmm. and that's staying in an echo chamber. And when you're in an echo chamber, you're not. I mean, you're not actually getting anything that's 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 fruitful right you're just getting what you want to hear and that's it and if you're around a bunch of people that only give you what you want to hear then why even talk to people why even go through it you already have the answer in your brain you know why look for the advice why do it you know so i mean if you if if, (laughs) it's the same reason i tell people don't don't go to the bar and complain about the person next. Uh, complain with the person next to you about how bad your relationship is. Go to somebody who's doing well in their relationship, who's made it through some problems, and knows how to how to work this, so that you can gain some insight that you don't have, right? And don't go, um, which you know this this person that that approached you um, broke this person portion of the advice too. Is don't go to the opposite sex either right yeah't uh, yep. go don't go to the person who's been divorced fourteen times if you're asking about uh, marriage advice and don't go to the person of the opposite sex to go ask about it either because you're opening yourself up to way too many negatives right um uh, yep. thankfully you are you were there to give wise counsel as opposed to um, uh, poor counsel or try to you know sneak in there and you know become an even bigger you know uh, stone in the shoe as, as she's walking around trying to figure this out but um you know, seek wise counsel is by far. You know, uh, and somebody who's been through there. You know, they, one of the one of the life groups my wife and I have been a part of with our church when we first got married was a um, was a young married group, and it was um, it was ran by this couple. They've been married for like thirty five years, right? Um, and you know, they were like, "Hey, these you're going to go through trials as as um, as a couple. You're going to have all these things and blah blah blah," and now. Could you imagine if the person who was running the young marriage group was divorced 14 times and had all these issues <laughs> and you're like, well, why is this person te- like, why should I be taking advice? Right? So it goes again, Yeah, find somebody who actually could provide you the advice that you need that, um, Uh, is experienced in this you know don't it's i don't know boggles my mind um i saw it all too often in the military side of the house is you know you get all these all these very bitter very broken guys that get together because they they're not going to admit that they're bitter and broken but they are um because they've all been you know burned 15 times um and then they go to each other for advice and it's like well (laughs) you're all you're gonna do is be bitter and broken together and now you know you continue to break each other so yeah and that's another thing I try to teach the kids too, is you know uh talking about these things, being open with these things, learning from the mistakes, like a failure is only a failure if you don't learn from it. But if you learn from it and you move forward, then I need you to fail fail forward and fail often, right? Like just kinda learn from these things from the right people. Yep. I don't know, I rambled an awful lot there, but I hope that made sense.
2: No, no. I, I totally agree. And uh Yeah, I mean the whole you are who you hang around. Yeah. Yeah. You were talking about looking for it. I remember reading a really good book uh, called Decisive on just how poor of decision makers we are, especially entrepreneurs to actually mm-hmm. rate it uh, worse than uh, teenagers for decision making. <laughs> but they call it a confirmation bias, right? Yeah. It's like you, you, you can see all these other things that say you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do that. And if you really want it, you'll find the one article or the one mm-hmm. friend or whatever that says you should.
1: Yep. You're you know, it's funny in in law enforcement. Um, you know, you'd think like these detectives are the the best at you know finding finding who's lying about whatever, and they have found that law enforcement officers are the worst at detecting who's lying uh, versus who's telling the truth, because all they're around is a bunch of people who are lying to them and, and treating people poorly. So everybody is a liar. So if yeah. that's all you do is you're around all these people and that's just uh, what you see. And that's just what like the lens you're going to look thing- look at things through. Then yeah, you're going to have that confirmation bias everywhere you go. And the next time that you see somebody and they lie to you, you're like, see, there's another one lying to me. So the next 15 people I come in contact with, they're going to be liars too. You know, it just, <laughs> it baffles me, but uh, it's, it's what we do, which is why, you know, when you're in a group like abundance or when you're at your church and you have a, you know, a life group or all these things like you, be around these people who are going to make you better and make your family better, right? Make you, you know, make you think a little bit differently in a positive manner. Um, it's uh, it makes a, a massive difference in, in where you can bring yourself. So and that's um, why I
2: love GoBundance, just yeah. the, the type of individuals. I mean, my very first event, I just happened to go to a restaurant. I didn't know anybody uh, really that was, I knew Daniel Del Real is a good friend of mine and he had invited me and we live in the same town. Uh, Daniel's like, yeah, I'm, in per- I'm intentionally just ditching you. I want you to find your own way and everything. I was like, right on, man. But the first group I met was a bunch of guys know, I was like, hey, you mind if I join you? What are you guys meeting about? And they're like, oh, this is the uh, the dad, the dad micro tribe. And
3: I was mm-hmm. like, cool.
2: And I remember telling gentlemen, like, what I loved about that conference was 70-80% of the conversation was how to be a better husband or, or partner or uh, father those kinds of things. I was like, I love this. It's like, we don't know how to make money. We've done well and we can pick up on those things and share really good tips really quickly. But it was the heart of you are who you're hanging around. And then and I were very blessed to go to Ariel to BVI with Brittany Mm -hmm. Turner and her being exposed to some of the GoBros wives and that crowd. It just completely elevated her thinking.
3: She was
2: like, wow. You know, I love my friends. I have great friends. This is like a different level of conversation. So Mm -hmm. that would be another piece of advice, I think, is like when we're getting poured into so much, right? We have as entrepreneurs, you want to protect your relationship. You got to make sure that your spouse is getting poured into too. So you have all these cool groups, resources, those kinds of things. That's what I love about CoBundance is there's a lot of stuff for the ladies, right? Mm -hmm. Um. And so we get to have conversations around 10X and it's easier than 2X and different micro tribes and what's going on, which I love. Um, and that, that's transformed my business too. I, I yeah. tell you, when I came back from BBI and then, you know, hearing, uh, right before the book came out, Dr. Bindran was giving the talk to, to us as GoBros on 10X and some of those things. And I thought, this is such incredible wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I went back to my company and I said, you know what? I'm able to go on these trips, be around these people, get exposed to all this material because of what I'm blessed that you guys are doing and the work that you guys do in the company. So I've seen too many people pour back and become philanthropic with everywhere outside of their organization. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to become philanthropic inside of our organization. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I remember at the Tahoe event, someone asked uh, how many people have read Richest Man in Babylon. And I looked, there was 240 guys in the room, I think it was a championship. 240 out of 240 people had their hands raised. And my boss gave me that mm-hmm. book when I was 22. And I was like, all right, I'm going to give that to all my employees and I'm going to teach them. Yeah. I want them to be holistically healthy and well. As I poured in that level of mentoring and spawned other mentoring groups, Not only has customer, I mean, we already kill it on customer service, but it's gone to even another level. We literally have clients that are like, yeah, we're throwing lunches and birthday party or pizza parties and stuff for your team just because we want to thank them for what a great job. Um, The team's killing it. Sales are through the roof. And I'm like, you know what? If you become so wealthy, not here that you don't work here, you're going to tell other great Mm -hmm. people to come work here. Yeah. So. that it all ties in it's the whole person so as you take care of the whole person instead of just giving them business skills sales skills or whatever but i think so many times on our relationships we maybe work on some relationship things or whatever but if we're getting some really cool tactical skills and stuff expose it doesn't mean that they're going to always take it because they may not have the same interest and that's totally okay and Your identity is not in that. So if they don't want to read the same book, that doesn't mean they they don't like you or they don't like what you like. It's just they're different. We all have different gifts. But the intentionality, like, gentlemen sees that. It's like, I want to open up opportunities and for the ones that are for her that she takes advantage of. It's really, she's like, man, I really appreciate that because she's getting poured into and it's not just me. It's like coming to a conference you come back on a conference high tell Mm -hmm. everybody how great it is it's like they weren't there right but we do that in our relationships
3: a lot yeah
1: Yeah, that happens with my wife all the time and now i'm happy that you know the next couple conferences she's coming along with me not necessarily to be in there but at least on a nightly basis i can go home and be like guess what happened today and we could talk about it and engage with it instead of just coming back with like a whole notebook full of stuff and like all this excitement where she's like dude, I've been like hanging out with the kids and doing work and doing all this stuff while you've been gone, like snowboarding. Like, don't tell me about all this stuff you're doing. You know, at least now I can, you know, she's, she's coming along with the next few of them. So it's great. But, um, Uh, So I want to, I want to ask a little bit more about your business side of the house. Um, the, uh, you talked about your, your son joining on some calls and various different things. Do you have any desires to, or does he have any desires to actually, uh, join in on the actual business side of it? Like to, you know, uh, to actually work in the company with you, or is there any desire or conversation about that?
2: Yeah. So it's always, I told him early on, uh, because he sees a lot of the difficulties too, right? So I expose him mm-hmm. to a lot of that stuff. And it's not, it's a great business. We love what we do with cybersecurity and especially working with schools and mission bases. And then we've been able to give back so much in the community and expose. Kids. We're big on exposure, bringing kids from schools into our office, showing, hey, there's great high high-paying jobs right here in Silicon mm-hmm. Valley or Irvine, various places we have offices. And so he sees that. But I told him for me, I said, I didn't design this as a generational business. Like yeah, it's a thing. If if God wants it to be generational, then it is. There's no pressure at all. I could sell it, and it's not my identity. I'm James Bates, I'm not Data Path. Right. So yeah, he's had that clear, um, message. I I don't see him particularly working in business. I mean, obviously we're not in the NFL. Um. So the, but he's the life skills. Like he interned this year, mm-hmm. and I told him. Hey, if you want to intern, you're going to have to create a resume. I'm going to give you the contact of who you need to give the resume to. You're going to have to do an
3: interview. I won't be part of it. And you got to pass. And I'm going to tell the guys, like, yeah. you got to pass. And um, and he's, he's really
2: good. I wasn't worried about it, but I'm like, you know, and if you get it, whatever time they tell them and you commit to, you got to be there. I'm big on you're there early, you're yeah. prepared, you're all that stuff. And he killed it. He absolutely killed it. I mean, we had a uh, school district, wasn't even part of our contract, they called us and said, hey, there's some mishaps and whatever, we got 8,000 Chromebooks that we got to give out, and 3,000 of them we have to give out on Monday, and it's Friday at 4 p.m., <laughs> and these all have to be wiped out and redone by hand. It was a complicated issue, and there was no way to mass fix it. And they weren't even really asking us for help. It was just kind of like telling us the tales. Whoa. And a couple of guys heard about it and said, hey, we're going to show up right now. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. So they asked. They said, hey, can Colin show up? I heard about it. I said, you know what, Colin? I used to do all this stuff, too. I said, I'm going to go with you. I said, let's yeah. just help the school out. And we knocked out 3,000 Chromebooks over the next eight hours on a Saturday morning. That kid never complained. We gave him the crappiest job of running like all the ones that were dead that had to be powered on. And I mean, Mm -hmm. thousands of Chromebooks trying to find even the power plugs, plug them all in, all that stuff. Um, The heart of what he had is is he's seen the hard work. Right? And he never complained. And the feedback I got from the team is he kills it. Like, he never complains. He asks how he should be doing it. He's not afraid to be wrong right? So, but he's learned those things through exposure. So he's mm-hmm. not afraid of asking a question or saying, hey, did I do that right? Then and, and being corrected on it. Um, so, I don't think he would go in the business. I don't know, you know. um And I have no pressure about it, either way. Um I, I just want him to use his unique gifts and abilities, but yeah. I do know the lessons he's learning in the business are going to serve him well, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I love bringing Christian and Mateo to the office and them being exposed, and they're exposed to a lot of the same conversations, hearing about that. Um, I, I, I'm i a big fan of Pastor Stephen Furtick in Elevation. I, I think he's one of the phenomenal uh, pastors, one of the best speakers I've ever heard. Um, I had heard this quote, and I didn't know it was him that said it. till years later, I was listening to an old sermon. I'm like, oh, he's the one that said it. So, Colin and I had just come from a meeting. We were with the mayor, city council, a lot of, you know, a lot of wealthy people stuff. Mm-hmm. And we were in the car, and we were going up to one of our uh, Airbnbs. I literally had a toilet in the back of our car. After his meeting, like two hours after meeting, I told Colin, I said, you see a side of dad other people don't see. He goes, what do you mean? He was 11 at the time. I said, well, we were just at the fancy meeting, dressed all nice, with all these prominent people. We got in our nice car. But what they don't see is the grubby clothes we're on, the toilet in the back of the car now. And we're going to go rental because I, I don't have anyone that can do this. And yeah. I just need to get it done. And what Stephen Furtick said is that I think it's such an important lesson for our kids to see the whole picture of us. Is He said, people often compare other people's highlight reels to their behind-the-scenes. Yeah. And so, if I can give Colin the the behind-the-scenes look, I just know whether he stays in the business or ever want to or not, he's going to be prepared regardless of what he goes
1: into. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, Stephen Furtick, I'll... I'll I like a lot of his older stuff. I'm not, I'm a little questionable sometimes with some of the current stuff, but that's that's a different story. That's a we can go down a whole different path on that. But um, uh, the uh, I, that is super valuable, though. I, I think that it, and that's the downfall about Facebook and Instagram and all that type of stuff is we're always that's what people put up there is their highlight reel and like we we're, we're comparing our mediocre day like just a a normal day with somebody else's, you know, a most amazing day that they've had, which is why they're posting it on Facebook, you know, or on Instagram, right? Like, don't don't like that's their highlight reel. That's not that's not their everyday life. You don't know what happens on the other side of that camera when the something's not rolling when there isn't a post getting sent out. And, you know, and like, if it's if it's me, like half the time, I'm not even the one who posts it, right? So good, good (laughs) luck. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I'd be more likely to post the picture of that. Like last night, I took a picture of, you know, me hanging out my daughter at one o'clock in the morning, she just Decided that the last two nights she wasn't going to sleep at night. Um <laughs> so I'm sitting there with with a very sad crying baby at one o'clock in the morning with like just okay, what am I gonna do? Like this is this is a like this is life. This is what it is. Like don't, you know, but uh of course that's that's not what sells. That's not what everybody wants to see, and all the stuff that goes along with it. But um walk me through a uh, um we've talked a lot about the i mean it it sounds like your 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 uh your son and your step your stepkids are in like an amazing position they're doing really great um but i know that it's not always like that so walk me through some 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 of the more difficult times like what uh what are some of the biggest struggles and maybe some of the the biggest let's say screw-ups that you did as a dad that um that you you had to go in and fix and how did you go through and fix that
2: yeah um Biggest career, I mean, especially like blending families, right? That yeah. that's always difficult. And um like and realizing and and appreciating other people's gifts and talents, kids like in different backgrounds, right? So Christian's an amazing young man. He's not into sports and a lot of the same things that Colin are in, But the kid can go light up any room and just take it open. Like he's has <laughs> such a gregarious personality, he's amazing. And he's found his way in acting and he's working with acting coaches and like doing really well. So some of my screw ups, I would say would be like initially being more distant from that, not knowing how to connect. And so just like not participating or really engaging in conversations. Cause it's just, you don't even know where to start. Right. It's like, where do I start in a conversation? So, um, and then for Colin, you know, it's, Hey, if I've lost my temper driving or on a call or something, just say, hey, you know what? Dad didn't handle that right. And mm-hmm. apologizing for those things. Uh, another piece was I went back to Colin. This was actually last year.
3: Um, He was listening in on on one of the GoBundance calls. And this guy was talking about
2: just his dad had been such a high achiever. And like it was such big shoes to fill. Mm -hmm. And for us, it's just natural. Like to me, it's just, I just wake up and that's just who I am. Like people say stuff that probably just doesn't make sense. It's like, I don't know how you do all you do. It's like, I just do. Like it's just what you do. It doesn't seem Mm -hmm. that difficult. It's just, you just do it. Uh, But I looked at Colin and I said, Do you feel like that sometimes? Do you feel like I don't recognize? like, the standards I'm setting and whatever? And he goes, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He said,
3: um, it's hard. He says, it's actually really intimidating, Dad.
0: Hmm.
3: So, I wish I had asked that question years earlier, right?
2: Because how much more has he not opened up or could have shared? Um And so now I'm more intentional about hey, am I doing anything intimidating or you know, the standards, and I look back, I mean, I was a punk kid, man. I was I was on probation for assault and battery. I've been in so many fights in eighth grade.
3: You mm-hmm.
2: know? Um, and unfortunately, I turned it around in high school, and I, I did well. But, I mean, I was a little hell yeah. I mean, this kid. But meanwhile, it's like, hey, well, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you take that proactive step of asking the teacher if you could come in ahead or whatever? It's like, because he's eight.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
2: Right. I yeah. wasn't doing that when I was eight. So I think raising, trying to expect them to live to a standard of where it's taken me 44 years to get. And I'm, it's weird. I say, you know, it's weird being an adult and feeling like you're just figuring out how to be an adult. Yeah. But yet we're putting all these expectations. But we don't realize the wake that we make sometimes. To me, I'm just me. Like, I'm mm-hmm. still the kid that didn't grow up with a lot, of road. And I'm in the game a lot, I, I feel very blessed, but I'm just an authentic, transparent guy. But from the outside looking in, yeah, I, I have a lot of things and access to things and very blessed. Um and that's not normal for everybody. And the yeah. kids are seeing that and they're hanging out with other kids where that's not normal, but they feel like they're let they can easily feel like they're less than mm-hmm. because they're not living up to these expectations. And they're hearing a lot of, they're living a lot of the wins that you've accumulated, right? Um, so that's probably my biggest screw up. It's not being intentional and setting the bar too high. Yeah. And, and over this last, especially this last year, year and a half, really relaxing that. And God, it's so much more free. It's mm-hmm. freeing for him. It's freeing for me. Um, And he's doing just fine. <laughs>
1: Awesome. Yeah. That speaks a lot to me as, as, you know, a very similar person doing a bunch of different things and trying to accomplish all this stuff. And, um, you know, now that I'm doing homeschool and I'm like, Hey, you need to do this, 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 and this today. And he's like, what? I'm like, here's your checklist, buddy. Get at it. You know, and you know what to do, make it happen. And, and, you know, he's already, you know, um, my oldest is already, you know, a perfectionist, like mom and and dad, you know, because Rick L and I are both the same way. So it's like, you know, if if he doesn't get something done you know and one of the beauties about homeschool is like it's super flexible you know if you don't get it done today who cares like we'll get it done tomorrow right or you know what we could even do school on saturday we could do school at six o'clock at night eight o'clock at night it doesn't matter if there's something that you want to work on if you have a reading assignment you could do your reading assignment at you know before you go to bed who cares you know like this is this is easy stuff i'm not you know um but I still, you know, my standards are my standards, and it's tough to come off of stuff. And it's like, man, I really need to pay attention to that and make sure that I'm not, you know, because that very well may be where he gets his, you know, perfectionism from, why he needs to. Okay, well, like, I I feel really bad because I didn't get this done. I didn't get this done. Well, yeah, I probably the one who pressured him to make sure that he got it done. And now here I am holding the bag of having to console him for the fact that he didn't get it done. Like, way to, way to go, <laughs> dad, you know, like, man, that uh, that speaks a lot to me. But I'm glad to hear that, you know, it, it, you're, you only realized that a year and a half ago and uh, your son's doing, doing well with it. Uh, so I, it gives me a little bit of hope that I haven't uh, screwed him up too awfully bad since he's only eight, you know, almost nine years old. So, yeah, so yeah. That, man, oh, man. Yeah, it's, uh, um, I, you know, it, it's been said on this, this particular podcast multiple times um, uh, from, you know, one of the guys mentioned it is so much easier to be a mediocre dad than it is to be a good dad. Um, and, uh, I think having conversations like this and figuring out where we're screwing up and how we can be better and where, you know, where our intentionality is and, um, how, you know, how we're putting the right people around our kids and, um, you know, how we're, you know, validating them the way they need to be validated. And do, like, I think that this, that it's the only way we're going to get better is to continue to talk about it and push it out there. I mean, there was, um, and I think that goes on, on most fronts, not just being a dad, and, but our, as business owners and operators, as, you know, um, you know, being a former military guy, it's the same thing. Like, you know, if you've got stuff you need to talk about in your past, then you know, for anybody listening here that's you know prior military, I've, I've been through through a thing or two in my day. Like, go and talk to somebody about it. Like, go and have a conversation. You know, um, don't don't let it get to a point where you know you're you're bottled up so don't much that you're you're quite literally you know killing yourself. And it's like, man, oh man, we need to have the conversations. Make the make. Make the improvements in our life, whether it's with your kids, with your wife, with your coworkers, with your you know employees, whatever it is. Like have these conversations and, and be willing to uh, be willing to grow. So I appreciate your vulnerability on that one. That one really spoke to me a lot as far as the, the standards for the sun. But but uh, oh,
2: what I love uh, that you that you provide this platform to do this. That's why when I heard about it uh, from our mutual friend Adam, that I was like, oh, just the topic alone is so needed so
1: needed i love it yeah i appreciate appreciate it thanks sir yeah it's uh it and i i do it very selfishly because it's i just want to steal everybody else's good ideas so (laughs) um I do it in the form of a podcast because people will actually talk to me about this stuff. If I don't set it up as a podcast and people aren't going to talk to me about it, they're not going to sit here and talk to me for two hours. But if I say, hey, you want to be on my podcast? They're like, yeah, sure. I'll t- t- totally talk about this for two hours. You know? so- R&D, rip off and
2: duplicate, right? <laughs> That's
1: right. You're darn right. It's funny. I was literally talking to my son about that today. Um, uh, I don't remember what, how we got on the conversation, but I was like, you know, because uh, we were doing school stuff and I said, you know what's great? It's when you're not doing schoolwork. Cheating is amazing. Like Cheating off of other people <laughs> like all of their successes look at what their successes are and do what they did like like it you yeah. know history history may not repeat but it rhymes like you can you can see what they did and make your own version of that you know i mean i'm not saying again like breaking any laws and you know if they're you know don't steal copyright and stuff and all that i mean there's a difference here but man oh man like when somebody says something that they're doing in the business that makes a lot of sense like oh totally gonna steal that i'm totally gonna steal that you know and same thing here as as parenting you know like I really want to be a better dad. So what better way than to talk to good dads who are doing what they can to make a difference. So
2: we're all uh, figuring it out, right? Yeah. I mean, we all have, it's that we have screw ups, we have things, but the finding these, your podcasts and being intentional about talking to other good dads.
3: Mm -hmm. And
2: and mainly we learn from the mistakes, right? I mean, most of the stuff I've talked about that I'm doing well is because I made a mistake first. Mm-hmm. And then got better from it. But if we can avoid those mistakes or not, if, you know, my son's 14 and I've changed these things when he was more like 12 and a half, 13, you're like, hey, then my kid's not that screwed up at eight. <laughs> <Right>? So,
1: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it, it's too many people don't want to talk about their mistakes either, and that's uh, that's a shame because that's where that's where we learn. And I mean, this is where true wisdom comes from—is learn Like, I, if I can learn from somebody else's mistake as opposed to making myself have to go through the problem, then that's by far a better route to go. I would much rather learn through somebody else's mistake and uh, gain that knowledge than than to have to have the scars myself. So. So, uh, tell me anything, is there, are there any other topics that you definitely wanted to hit that you want to, uh, you want to discuss any questions you have for me, anything, uh, on the, on your side?
3: Yeah. I, uh, I would just say the part that we probably haven't touched on enough is just faith, right? Uh, and, yes.
2: and that for me is so critical in our family and mm-hmm. it's authentic. And I learned that from my dad. It's not a religion; it's a relationship, right? Yeah. And so that that we yeah. ask to be forgiven, but we also don't live under condemnation all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And we're blessed, and we're thankful, and we don't just pray to ask for stuff. We pray to yeah. say thank you. Um, and letting your your kids and your your family see you actually. Be your true authentic self in in Mm -hmm. worship and thankfulness. And those things are so powerful. So, yeah, you know, we pray together every night, but it's not like a routine prayer, right? Mm -hmm. We pray for other people. We we say thank you. We we talk about sermons. We talk about messages. We talk about things in the Bible. But we don't walk around holier than thou,
3: either. Mm -hmm.
2: We're, We're human. And I, and I think the thing that was modeled so well for me was my dad was actually the same person as home, at home as he was ministering. Yeah. And, and especially in religion, just a hyper hypocrisy kind of world and what it's judged on, the more we can just be real with our yeah. kids and authentic and they see that like we're real, we're human, but we always return to the grace of God. That we, we don't just rely on the grace, though, as an excuse to you keep know, on mm-hmm. doing the same mistake and um, keep But that would be the one part I'd like to close on is just say, you know, that we wouldn't be where we're at without God, right? Yeah. In our lives. And so I, I've seen God's hand so many times in in all the situations from from Jenna and I, Christian, Taylor, blending families, who he's brought. Um, in our lives to help us, counsel us and um, that consistency as a family of it's not just oh we go to church every once in a while and mm-hmm. check some box. It's like no, they see the faith lived out home oh, day
3: in and day out.
1: Yeah, not being a CEO Christian, a uh, Christmas and Easter only Christian, right? So um <laughs> it's you know, I I I appreciate you bringing that up. It's it's something that uh um you know it, when people are like oh well i like christians are just hypocrites oh yes yes like <laughs> duh like every one of us are like that's one of the reasons we go to church that's one of the reasons we're there is because we are hypocrites because we know that we're doing things that that are against what we say we should be doing and we know that we're sinners and we need to we need to you know follow a uh, follow a risen savior to make sure that we are actually you know doing doing what we can to um uh, to improve our life and get better, and and try to work through these things, and you know, work with each other to make sure that we're becoming better. Um, and it's not a you know, like it's not a place for perfect people. It's not a, a a religion for perfect people. It's because we're not perfect that we need it, right? So if we were perfect, we wouldn't need religion. Uh, we wouldn't need church. We wouldn't need you know uh, Jesus. So um, you know, I, I yeah, think that I mean that's talking
2: a- to me about church. Like I don't like this. I'm like just so you know, like there is no perfect church as long as people are yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, until until we get to heaven, uh nah, there ain't no perfection happening in this church, right? So um, you know, I, I love having those conversations with folks too, and it's you know, as as long as people are are open to actually communicating about it, but too many people like wanna um they're either on one side or the other, um, oftentimes and I shouldn't shouldn't generalize too awfully much, but like <laughs> They're, you're either uh, a, a Christian who thinks that everybody's the worst thing in the world or you're a non-Christian who's saying that there's no way that you could ever be a Christian because all those people are terrible people. And it's like, well, yep. well, no and no, right? Like, <laughs> like you know, <laughs> it, it, if anything, if anything, we could say that the Christians are worse than the non-Christians because we know the truth. We know what's going on and we still sin and we still do bad things and we still go down a road we shouldn't be going down. Yeah, um, at uh, least uh, the person who's not a Christian, saying, they don't, sorry. you know, what's that?
2: Oh it froze for just a half second.
1: Oh, oh. okay. Yeah, so I was saying that you know it it as a Christian you're uh you you already know what you should be doing and you don't do it. Um you know, and the non-Christian like they they may not know yet. Like they don't understand yet. That's not there yet. So they're just doing what they do. Like that's you know I can't expect a non-Christian to do things that a Christian should be doing. Um so you know like so saying like, we're we're potentially even worse like not uh, not necessarily by action but by you know lack of action in some cases. So But it's a huge...
2: If if our families and kids see the growth though, right? We don't just stay at the same baseline. We continually admit. We work on it. We're not Mm -hmm. perfect. We don't nail it the first time, second time, third time, but we continually grow. They see that.
1: Yeah that's why I loved about, that you said about the, about grace is it's not, that's not an excuse for us to go and make mistakes and go do stupid things because, because we know that we can come back on Sunday and ask for forgiveness and all as well. Like, that's not, that's not quite how this works. Like, I don't, uh, yeah. that's, I don't, I don't think that word means what you think it means, you know? Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but no, it's a huge pivotal part in our, in our family as well. And I, I, I don't, um, as with everything, I don't think I do a good enough job explaining it to my kids and, and making sure that they're involved as much as as I should. And, um, you know, recently we started a a life group, what's actually meeting tonight, but, um, uh, we started it at our house and I'm looking forward to kind of showing the kids what it means to be vulnerable inside of a group inside the house and, you know, teaching, you know, helping teach alongside people and learn and grow. And, um, you know, to me, it's a, it's a massive, important part of my life. Um, and if it, if it wasn't for that I wouldn't be I wouldn't have the wife that I have I wouldn't have the life that I have I wouldn't be um you know anywhere near where I am now if it wasn't for you know walking with God so I appreciate you bringing that up and and uh, um, helping us end on that on that note but All right well James I thank you so very much for jumping on it was a pleasure to uh, to chat with you um if people wanted to reach out to you for one reason or another what's the best way for people to get a hold of you Uh
2: yeah shoot me an email James at mydatapath.com. And uh, yeah, would love to, anyone that wants to reach out, any way I can ever be a help or mentor or connect someone, I'd love seeing other people do well.
1: Uh, That's I, awesome.
2: I love having an abundance mindset. So if there's any way that, that I can be a help, uh, I'd be more than happy to.
1: Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much, James. I greatly appreciate our conversation. I look forward to uh, this episode releasing. Um, and please, anybody, if uh, if James, if you, if you heard something today that uh, that he can help you out with, reach out to him. I look forward to uh, uh, to this episode releasing and uh, hearing everybody's feedback. Please let me know your thoughts in our comments. Um, uh, like, subscribe, all of those things that you're supposed to do and all those things I'm supposed to say and never do at the end of a podcast. Um, but thank you so very much again, James, for coming on. I appreciate it. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon.
0: Great. Thank you so much for having me on, Adam. Absolutely. This is awesome. Thank you so much for listening to the Biz Dad Podcast. We hope you found some value in your time here with us, and we look forward to bringing you the next episode. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share so you and your friends won't miss our upcoming episodes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Rumble, where we continue these discussions and share more valuable content. Be the dad you know you need to be and run your business in a way you're proud to share with your kids. Keep crushing it.